So operational excellence really separates the difference between, you know, a good trucking company and a great trucking company. Would you, would you agree with that statement? I mean, like it's, it's, it's impossible to disagree with that statement, yeah. Jay. Like it's operational excellence is absolutely what separates trucking companies. And, 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 and that's everything from like, here's a perfect example. You're listening to Freight Famous presented by Rose Rocket, bringing you the people that make trucking move from behind the scenes into the limelight. Here's your host, Justin Bailey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freight Famous, a podcast produced by Rose Rocket. New episodes of Freight Famous will be released twice a month. On this podcast, we talk with guests about how they build, scale, and automate their trucking and transportation businesses. I'm your host, Justin Bailey, co-founder at Rose Rocket, and I'm super excited today to introduce my guest, Ryan Schreiber. Ryan Schreiber has lived... Uh, it's his- Schreiber. You went the wrong God way. damn it. You even asked. I you know. asked, and when you asked the first time, you said it right. I know. By the way, you should keep this in as bloopers. I love bloopers. Yeah, but yeah. Well, I, it's I, all good. All right, I'll try it again. We'll try um, it one more time. I'm your host. If Justin you say Schreiber this time, I might just change the pronunciation <laughs> of my name. <laughs> I thought you had a nice like clip to roll in on our like our <laughs> intro there. We do that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I am your host, Justin Bailey, co-founder at Rose Rocket. I'm super excited to introduce my guest today, Ryan Schreiber. Schreiber has lived his career at the intersection of transportation and technology. He currently serves as the chief growth officer at Metafora, the leading technology consulting firm in the freight industry. Demonstrating his passion for innovation in transportation and logistics, Schreiber is an award-winning thought leader. He has been honored with a Jesse H. Neal Award in 2023 and is regularly asked to contribute commentary publications such as Freightwaves, Journal of Commerce. Schreiber also serves as an angel investor, advisor, and multi-time founder for logistics tech companies. This is all part of his mission, along with Metafora, to help drive the freight industry forward. Welcome, Ryan. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to do it. I love chopping it up, so this will be fun. I, I I think we are good. We are both good choppers. Um, and I and I will say, as I was reading the intro, and this may or may not make it into the show, um, but I was I was butchering the last name. And it's funny, I don't know if I've ever read an intro that had the last name uh, in it so often, so I feel like I may have uh, called you huh. multiple things throughout the intro. But No, you did uh, a good job. You you did a really good job. Also, somewhat surprising, so my grandfather is from Kitchener, Ontario. So there's got to be other Schreibers around you. So I got, like, it's kind of, you know, I would have thought you would have met other Schreibers and, like, <laughs> no, but, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's fine. No big deal. Great, um, great sort of, like, notion on, like, don't you know, don't you know Mike? He's from Canada, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, exactly. I have a great story about that. I was in law school. I'll keep it short, but I was in law school. And the nicest woman I've ever met in my entire life was just, she was from like middle of nowhere, Tennessee. And, um, and she, we like, we met, you know, we were talking, whatever, somebody comes up, they say, Hey, are you, um, uh, go, uh, where are you from? I'm from Tennessee. And, and the guy goes, Oh, do you know so-and-so? And this girl like had no idea what to say again, nicest person in the world. She just goes, you know, it's kind of a big state, <laughs> just like, like, you know, there's millions of people in Tennessee. No, yeah. I don't know this random person you just mentioned. So, so you hear, you hear that, that version of that happening. One day I just want someone to say, oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, they live just down the road from me or yeah. they went to school with their daughter. I'm sure that's happened. <laughs> I'm sure that's been like that Goldilocks moment. I want to be a part of it too. Yeah, exactly. So today, uh, you know, I think we're, as we're sitting here talking, it's, it's early June, uh, 2023. It's a, I, I don't know. It's, it is, uh, I want to say it's a funny time, uh, but I don't know if that's the right word for it, but 
it's it's an interesting time in transportation, but transportation mm-hmm. in of itself is kind of always in an interesting time. But right now, yeah. there's there's a obviously uh, some some real pricing pressures. There mm-hmm. is conversations around uh, freight recessions, which statistically I think would would prove to be true. But there's also you know rates are, are higher now than they were pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. And I think you know mm-hmm. one thing I'd like to talk to you about today. I'm interested in your your point of view on is as we kind of sit here in a time where what it feels like to me is a a a, a time where where people aren't afraid necessarily to the extent of like a you know 2008 crisis where things are falling off off a cliff but there right. is a a almost like a pause or a conservative nature to the way people are approaching their businesses and largely i think around you know technology in their businesses mm-hmm. so if i think about a trucking company now that's that's considering you know uh, upgrading their technology and they were maybe, you know, going full steam ahead, you know, about a year ago when, when the market was just, you know, printing money basically. Um, and now things have slowed down and, and, and maybe they're taking a pause. How are you thinking about companies or talking to companies about how they should right now be thinking about um, making investments and largely I think technology, uh, you know, in, into their, you know, trucking or, or brokerage businesses? Yeah. I mean, look, primarily, uh, what we do is is technology consulting and whether that's tech strategy or software development, like that's primarily what we do. And so that's a lot of the conversations that we're having, Jay. And as you mentioned, I'm going to just call you Jay if you're cool with that. I like it. Like, I like we're it. best yeah. friends. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's a, good, so, it's a cool move. Yeah. You know, so like it's just, uh, it's low key. I'm just going to drop it on you. But, sure. you know, so I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday and 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 one of the really interesting things to me about trucking and logistics is, that it's always both in flux, but stagnant at the same time. There are many ways in which the industry hasn't changed since deregulation. And I'm talking about just kind of like prime, you know, deregulation in the United States um, in the early 1980s. Uh, there's many ways in which it has not fundamentally changed since right around deregulation. But there are also ways in which it is constantly changing and in flux. There isn't really an equilibrium in our business. And so... What's interesting to me about that as well is that like, you know, these are totally predictable things that happen in our industry. There is an equilibrium. From a rate environment, you're either inflationary or deflationary. There's not stability. You know, there there are certainly times of greater instability than not, right? I mean, 2019 was an incredibly low deflationary bottom and and 21, 22, early parts of 22 were incredibly high inflationary times. And so that's, you know, that's certainly like, uh, but it's predictable. It, the, the other cycle is going to come. Um, and so what's in, you know, what, what is a challenge sometimes I think for these companies is, is getting and breaking the reactive cycle. And so I say all of that to say that a lot of what we're talking with our customers about right now and our industry friends about today is how is technology involved and how is data evolved to allow you to break the cycle? No one has a crystal ball. Right, like I, I don't know if the cycle is going to come. I don't know that the cycle is going to going to last another six months, another twelve months, another nineteen months. And in some ways, the things that are happening in the broader economy don't actually matter in terms of how or why this, uh, when the cycle will break. But you know, um, because obviously we, we're we're sort of we can move independent of that. We have we have rate recessions when the economy is on fire, and we have. We certainly have inflationary times when the um, rate inflationary times when the when the market when the when the broader economy is is not doing as well. Um, there are macro factors that that impact it. Like right now, I think you're seeing part of the reason that hypothesis, part of the reason that 
the capacity is not leaving the market the way it historically has is because of the broader lending environment, because of the used equipment environment. Like banks don't want to repossess vehicles, even though guys, you know, even though trucks aren't able to make, you know, those payments, those independent operators, what have you, those high truck notes. Um, but but in general, yeah, I mean, what we're talking with our customers about is how technology and data can help you break the market cycles and and then how to how to kind of start that process for yourself, even in a deflationary environment where as a business you might choose to be aggressive, but you also might choose to 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 be more, you know, more conservative. So what does it look like? So if I'm if if what are you telling, you know, sort of specifically, I guess, is what are some things that companies can do right now to you know, I, I don't know so much weather the storm now, but, but I think a lot of this is about preparing for the next time this happens in a sense. So what is the, what are some of the things that the company should be thinking about maybe if they, if they aren't already? So, you know, it starts with, I, I, I did a panel at TIA earlier this year about kind of like, it was called uh, the Transportation Intermediaries Association. I would imagine people who are listening know what that is, but, um, uh, and I, I talked about, um, it starts with your PL. Like your PL tells a story. And the first thing that you need to learn how to do is read the story that your PL is telling you. Because technology is great and technology is important to make yourself a competitive and sustainably competitive business. So it starts with your PL. So step one, learn how to read your PL to understand where you're falling short and like what's going on with your business. That's that honestly, in my experience and opinion is, is kind of the number, the the best place to start. And then part two is get realistic, maybe not realistic, but, but have an honest conversation with yourself as a, as a business leader about what your goals are and what the business's goals are. Right. A lot of times, like there are basically two potential paths forward for any business. They can be Amazon or they can be Sears and Roebuck in broad strokes, right? Like not necessarily at scale, but their business experience. Amazon has this ethos of of continue to evolve, try new things, be aggressive, what have you. Sears and Roebuck was kind of close up the shop, like hunker down for a long winter, what have you. And 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 most of the time that that story is one of like growth and death, but every business is going to die. Jeff Bezos has said Amazon one day is going to die and they are. And a, but the question is, what's the experience along the way? A lot of people made a lot of money on Sears and Roebuck over a long period of time. And it might have been painful here at the end, but there's a lot of people who made a lot of money, including the business leaders, including the you know the owners and the family, the, the founding family, what have you. It's okay. Choose a path. That's fine. Whatever you want that path to be. So get really serious about what you actually want to accomplish with that. And then marry marrying those two together is the first step before you even start thinking about how technology impacts your business. Because the decisions that you make need to be grounded in those two things. What's the area where I need to improve the most? Is my SG&A out of whack? Is my, you know, such that my, my, you know, my, my labor expense is really high. And that's, this is a story that's coming from my PL. My labor expense is high. I've got one driver manager for every two drivers, right? Or if I'm an intermediary, I'm only booking three loads per head per day. I need to find ways to improve that, right? And so that's where I need to focus my energy and effort. 
I might not need a new TMS to do that, but I might need a new TMS to do that. But that's where I need to start looking. That's where I need to start digging. If I'm looking for buried treasure, I'm looking for the X on the map. I don't just start digging under random trees in a park, right, Jay? Like I'm looking for that X on the map. And that's how you, that, that's really the place to start. So let's unpack that a bit. So I am a, uh, I'm a brokerage and I'm looking ultimately for, and I think this is interesting for, but we'll talk about almost both sides because I think they kind of have incentives that are uh, similar outcome, uh, but a little bit different. Uh-huh. So if I'm looking, if I'm Absolutely. a, if I'm a broker, we'll just use that word loosely. Um, I'm basically saying, okay, in my business right now, where can I find more? Let's be like really like direct with the language, right? How can I make more money in the business? Therefore, uh-huh. how can I be more efficient with the business in terms of like, what does, what does scale look like? So use a good example right. of, you know, dispatch per headcount. So I might look yeah. at this and say, I've got, like you said, I've got for every dispatcher I have, I've got, you know, three loads per, what would it look like if I could double that, for instance? Mm-hmm. And so you might look at that as the, okay, now that becomes the North Star, how to create more loads per headcount. And I'm just, I'm just asking you to kind of confirm this. And then what you'll do is you'll basically reverse engineer from there. What are the things that we can do, technology or otherwise, that might allow us to realize that outcome? But that kind of becomes the goal uh, in one of probably multiple missions. Is that fair? Is that how you might want to do that? Absolutely. And, and like when you say, like, you also have to get really specific about your goals. Like, and this is something that we really work with our customers on in like the planning stage of what a technology, uh, a digital transformation might look like, whether that's selecting a new TMS, whether that's building some tools, whether that's re-optimizing their TMS. A lot of times we go into our customers and we say, don't go get a new TMS and don't build a new TMS because you can't take that on right Mm -hmm. now. And here's why, but like, look at reinvesting in your TMS because that investment is never done. The biggest mistake that we see people do buy a TMS assume that that problem is solved and don't spend money on what I refer to as re-implementation, yeah. which is like ongoing implementation. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, and so what we spend, we spend time with our customers on is about getting specific. And so, okay, before you even, you know, you identify the concept. So you described identifying the right concept area of where I need to focus loads per head per day, whatever that is. Um, uh, whatever those measures of success are in terms of like the output, but but also with the business goals. So you said make more money. Make more money is not a specific enough goal, mm-hmm. right? Because is make more money generate more revenue, which is what a lot of kind of com- when companies say they want to make more money, they think generate more revenue, everything else will take care of itself, and that's the failing of reading the P and L, right, and learning the story of the P and L. Every business. I'm just going to throw this out there. Every single business, the only measure of success is net operating income at the end of the day, right? Yeah, net, net, Even net, if yeah. you are a tech startup and you are losing money, it's about net operating income. So fine, you're losing money, but are you losing money at a clip that's going to put you out of business? You run out of your runway before you can raise money, your unit economics, before your unit economics prove themselves out, whatever that might be. So Jay, a really important part of what you just described absolutely is that first piece identify where you want to improve what you need to improve within the business, both from PL and other, other sort of like data, and then really gets, and this is where most of the businesses fail, getting specific around what does, what are the outcomes I need for my business? Do I want, is scale what I actually want? 
And that's my Sears and Roebuck kind of versus Amazon thing. No, no, no. I just want to take as much money out of the business today as I can as a business owner. Let's say hypothetical. I want to make as much money today as I can. And it's okay if that goes down over time and either eventually levels off or we die and we sell off assets or whatever. Or no, no, I don't. That's not, I want to scale my business. So I'm willing to take some chips off. You know, I'm willing to invest some of these chips today to make more money in the future because not every business wants to scale as aggressively as, as other businesses. And then, so that's what helps you get specific enough, right. To build a plan that allows you to then understand I'm spending X, I'm going to get Y. And and there's other things I can certainly say about kind of how to go about that in terms of de-risking that big decision, but, but that, that's certainly the starting point. So in an asset base, the thing that comes to mind when you, and it's, it's a good example, sort of, I think be beyond the vanity metric of a top line that has no bottom line, you know, implication. So really when we say make more money, just to be clear on what you're saying, I think this is, this is, this is what uh, needs to be said is it's, it's really, it's net net how much take home money comes out of the business at the end of the year. And really in some ways you can look at your business and it's really possibly not, ultimately tied to the top line revenue metric. Your top line revenue arguing, can go down yeah, exactly. and your bottom line can come can be actually higher depending on how you look at this. So that's especially true for intermediaries. Right. Like one of the things that we talk a lot about our to our intermediary or broker clients is exactly this concept that as a broker, all you do is sit in the middle of a transaction. And so if it's hard, but like brokers seem to kind of like get hot caught up in, it's hard to get shippers. They're the ones that pay the bills. Now I'm not suggesting burn your carriers. I'm not suggesting... Like just, you know, race to the bottom. But if you have the right capacity network, you're working with, and you're working with true backhaul carriers, you're working with, you know, the the folks that, that are that are real, um, that need your freight that my, my teammate Adam Perlmutter says, create a match that's more powerful than the rate per mile. That low cost, like it's the only scenario where low cost and and quality kind of go together, you know, yeah. if you will. So that's especially true as an intermediary, Jay, that that you can you can you can make more money to the bottom line, kind of regardless of what's happening in the broader market. Now, as a trucking company, significantly more difficult, right? In that environment. However, that's where business process optimization, that's where technology, that's where intentional applications are like that's where controlling everything below the line is on your PL is what really, really matters to get what you want. Cause exactly like you just described, revenue is a vanity metric, gross profit in a trucking company is more variable. So yeah, there's there's opportunities to look at there. But but real the real leakage to net operating income, and I'm arguing that should be the measure of success because there's still a lot of people who say, no, no, revenue is my measure of success. But net operating income, EBITDA margin, those things are the true measures of how you're performing as a business. And a lot of that comes below the line. Yeah, and I think that's that good call. And again, I think this is what, what I want to touch on with the asset side is that there is a risk that taking, and this is, we find this obviously as a, as a business that sells to the, both the, the broker and, and the carrier market. And I say this, I've said on the podcast a lot, so it's no secret, is that there's, you know, a, a lot of brokers will buy on growth. A lot of mm-hmm. asset-based uh, providers will buy on efficiency or cost savings because, you know, what, what I've heard, and I've got, I've, mm-hmm. I've got some firsthand mm-hmm. knowledge of this, is that sometimes growing a trucking business, it's like you bring on a, a new account. Well, now you have to find drivers and, 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 and uh-huh. you know, metal to put on that. Oh, you, got, you know, So now all of a sudden you've got trucks that you need to add to it and drivers you need to add to it. So growth on that top line side can sometimes be a bit of a, 
a bit of a mm-hmm. ghost in terms of its performance, where that may not be what you want to do. So operational excellence really separates the difference between, you know, a good trucking company and a great trucking company. Would you would you agree with that statement? I mean, like it's 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 impossible to disagree with that statement, yeah. Jay. Like it's operational excellence is absolutely what separates trucking companies. And, 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 and that's everything from like, here's a perfect example. The biggest cost leak for a trucking company, the biggest cost leak is, um, driver turnover. When you have low driver turnover, you have turnover turn, driver turnover in the sixties or, you know, or lower you're making money hand over fist. Like it is a great business to be in you're making money hand over fist, regardless of what the rate environment looks like, you are fine, right? If you have a driver turnover in the 90s or God forbid above 100, you are you are literally lighting money on fire. And when to your point, when you sign a new customer, when you onboard a new account, if if that isn't a you know if if that's not quite a fit or you've got to you've got to make some some changes to your to your driver qualifications to make sure you can fill the seats. Um, and keep the tires moving. You're you might churn good experienced drivers. You already have. You might you know, and and that's gonna that changes the the calculus of of what profit looks like. So a lot of times we talk to our customers about cost plus cost to serve. How much is my cost of goods sold plus what's my cost to service that that comes out from below the line? And am I still making money? So there's a lot of freight that's moving with intermediaries and trucking companies that that they're losing money on and don't even realize. Again, that goes to learning the story that your P&L tells. Jay, one of the things you're bringing up too is that like, is the concept of um, like a trucking company is, first of all, like this is a business of risk. Like transportation providing transportation services for hire is a business of risk trucking has a significantly higher risk than non asset right because of leverage and right and because of fixed costs and so the operational excellence piece about how to operate the business one really important thing and one thing that technology can really empower for you is a, the best thing that a trucking company can have is a strong non-asset division, mm-hmm. because the best way to grow your trucking company, right, is to add trucks once you have density and you can keep the wheels moving. Now, there's going to be trucking companies who listen to this to go. Customers don't want non-asset services. They don't want to buy brokerage services, and they're not exactly wrong, mm. because. But the market, the market would, the market would say, the market would say broadly speaking that they are they, right they're not exactly wrong they're 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 not exactly wrong in their experience is is yeah. is right because there's incredible value to non-asset services if it's done right first of all non-asset has grown every single year since deregulation in terms That's of right. market share yeah. so not only just is the broader market growing brokers are taking more of that market for yeah. good reason liability like a, like flexibility of service, et cetera, and so forth. But it's a failure of sales to not be able to actually accomplish that, you know, to actually be able to execute against that. But that's a story for a different day. However, Jay, one of the things you're highlighting is that operational excellence can also come from making sure that you provide a unified customer experience, regardless of what metal, as you said, is on it, whether it's a pink truck with white lettering, a blue truck with yellow lettering, or, uh, you know, pick the trucking the colors of your trucking company red and black or whatever it might be that consistent customer experience in terms of of outcomes in terms of of updates etc 
routing, billing accuracy, all the things that actually churn a customer for you. On time percentage, sure, like churns a customer for you, but customer experience is what really churns a customer. If you have wrong invoices all the time, they don't want to work. They're not, it doesn't matter how cheap your rates are. Like they're going to stop working with you, right? If you can't get tracking updates in a timely manner, they're going to stop working with you. So providing that consistent customer experience, and again, that has to be powered by business process and training, but it also has to be powered by technology. Let's um, let's go back to actually this the brokerage concept, sort of adding a third party wing to your to your trucking company. Um, one of the things that that I've seen through, okay, so and this is more of um, again broad broad strokes here today, but there is this this sense that I have um, where you look at a large, and, and again we're gonna just generalize, but you kind of look at a trucking company. The trucking company was started by uh, you know grandpa driving the truck. Right. Right. And then it becomes the, the, the son or the daughter then kind of takes over. And then, you know, sorry, here you are like third generation, but there's this kind of like, like, uh, like operational, um, uh, ethos to the organization. It's like, I, we are truck drivers to the, and you can look at really large companies and even actually to become a large trucking company, unless it's really well thought out and you do come across some obviously with some outside capital, but most large trucking companies are multi-generation because it just takes that long to build a bit, you know, a mm-hmm. big trucking company. And so when you think about those companies, and, I, and I'm not going to go to like a 5,000 truck carrier here. I'm thinking in that kind of 100 truck, you know, to whatever in that sort of realm. And you, you think, you know, I've kind of got a going concern business uh, at this point. And mm-hmm. starting a brokerage seems to be really difficult for these businesses. And, and I think a lot of it comes mm-hmm. down to just the the ethos of the business is not driven towards uh, selling, marketing, customer experience, uh, technology. And, and, and really, I think this is why brokers have grown, is that they take that piece of the market. They, they are kind of meeting customers and shippers where they are. And I think the trucking companies really struggle, it seems, to understand how to do that because it is a very different type of muscle. And going from being kind of what what, what, when you kind of go to the Sears and Roebuck example versus Amazon to me that that defense first conservative Mm -hmm. that sounds like a trucking company and Amazon to me sounds like a third party where Mm -hmm. you're kind of lighter quite honestly you're making more margin so you can actually spend more on things too like it's it's I guess my question that's buried in this is if you're talking to a trucking company about starting a, a, a brokerage how do you help them get out of their own way to do that you know, that is the million dollar question. And I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but most of it, for, like what you just laid out is, is, is pretty spot on in a, in a lot of respects. And the one, one of the things you're highlighting and, and, and we say this relatively often is the biggest challenge for trucking companies around growth, around ex- like doing new things, whatever is that they think like trucking companies. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that that's the challenge. It's, it's, I need, I want to save one cent per mile on my fuel expense. I want to save, um, you know, five cents a mile on my maintenance. I want to, I need to, I want to save 10% on, on my tire buy for next year, et cetera. And, and understandably, again, they are high leverage businesses. There is an incredible amount of risk in those, in those costs. One thing you said that I would that I that I would challenge a little bit is like there's more money, so you have more money to spend on things. Mm-hmm. And so interme- you know, intermediaries and and trucking companies tend to have similar operating ratios mm-hmm. in that 90 to 90, 90 to 100 area. So 
they're, they, you know, the, the money to grow isn't exactly there. That money is getting spent below the line in different areas. Like it just, and so that's, that's one of the interesting things about brokerage and trucking that, that it, it is still difficult to grow a non-asset based business because you, but you're spending the money on different things. You're spending it on tech, you're spending it on, on headcount, um, in areas that you're maybe not spending it on headcount as uh, 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 you're able to do more loads or what have you, but, but, but you have to do, you know, more loads per head. Um, and then just by deposit, that's actually a fair call out. And I think what I was meant by that is there's more, the, the money that you invest back in the business is going towards growth oriented motions. Exactly. Right. right. Not just operation, not just maintaining and, the trucks. Yeah, exactly. And so the math well, and, and the math of it bears itself out, right? But de facto, no matter what, the best, you know, outside of autonomous vehicles, the best growth rate that a trucking company could ever hope for is one human per load, right? Growth. Because even if you automate every single thing that happens in the four walls of the office building, you still have to have a driver in the truck. Yeah. Whereas an intermediary essentially could have infinite growth per head per day, right? And so a trucking company is always going to grow at less one, less than one load per head per day. And an intermediary is always going to grow at more than one load per head per day. Right. And there are diseconomies of scale and, 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 and those things. I'm going to be hundred percent upfront with you and tell you that I forgot what your actual question was, but so if we want, if you want to hit me also, with that. Also, yeah, yeah, no, way. fair. No, this is, this, this is okay. The, the idea around starting a brokerage inside a trucking oh, company, right. how do you help right. them think about being, like again, because here's where I, I'm going to sound like a broken you, record. Yeah, go for it. I yeah. got. It's about getting specific. Yeah. Too often we see like, hey, we want to start a brokerage. Why do you want to start a brokerage? Well, we want more freight for the assets. Okay. Well, like, what does that mean? Does that mean they're going to have their own trucks? Does that mean they're going to, or, or we have all of this freight? Like, we want to be able to sell the overflow. Okay. Well, let's play some scenario games. What happens when this happens? Mm-hmm. Let's say a customer tenders you a load with an over market rate. In a, in a market on a lane that the assets moves and you have a truck there, you, the trucking company have a truck there. The brokerage also works with a carrier who moves that at an under market rate. So how do you assign that load? Do you give that load to the assets? Well, then you're, you know, and, and kind of miss out on an opportunity to have a, a purchase transportation carrier to blow market rate. Well, you know, if you can, you and then getting specific on these scenarios. Well, I don't know. Can I go out and get another load? Yeah, I, I can go out and get another load at market rate or even above market rate. Well, a lot of trucking companies and brokers they don't get specific enough around how to make those decisions, what the trade offs are, and 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 how they're going to operate that business. So what happens? They burn care. They burn the purchase transportation carriers more often, which stunts the growth of the brokerage. Like you just need to set reasonable expectations with your purchase transportation carriers about what the re- the working relationship is going to be like. And but not getting that done on the front end is one of the big things that hurts them about uh, about growth. And so really the biggest opportunity space. And we're doing this right now with a trucking company. That's a big flatbed carrier. They have about, they have almost a thousand trucks and they have a non-asset division. That's always just been overflow freight and they want to grow that. And, and so it starts with getting specific enough and then, and then it's okay, here are our goals. They're laid out, they're measurable. They're, they're all of those things. 
We've got specifics around what our rules of engagement are going to be, meaning, right, some of those scenario things. Here's when a truck, here's when we can take a load, here's when we can't take a load from the non-asset division, take it back, if you will. Here's when we can send it to the non-asset division and hold them accountable for covering it, whatever. And then investing in that customer experience. Again, getting specific enough about what your customer experience is. We, you know, we hear, well, we deliver all the time. We pick up on time and we deliver on time every single time. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. You absolutely do not do that. Like no trucking company does that. No, like trucking companies roll more loads than brokers roll. Yeah. Because they're overbooked, especially the bigger you get, right? Because the bigger you get, the more it's about network balance and you overcommit in markets and you, you roll loads to the next day. You absolutely do not pick up and deliver every single time on time. So what is the customer experience that you actually are going for? Yeah. And, and what is your customer demand of you and of the broker? And then again, getting specific on that and then building, building an enterprise solution that maximizes enterprise level outcomes and then sticking to that plan. Sticking to the plan is the hard part. I think if it's, if it's me, um, I'm separating that business full force. Uh, you know, I, I think about it as I treat my own assets as I would any others now maybe they're preferred and i call them first and all these types of things but to me it's like i feel like you need to in order to do that successfully you almost need to move the brokerage like literally like sort of literally and figuratively into a different building and but have that different people i hear you on that yeah. but it doesn't maximize the enterprise level outcomes again so let's take my scenario i yeah. have i have a I, let's say i have a load paying four dollars a mile on a lane that moves two dollars a mile and the, the market rates two dollars a mile and I have a truck, I have a carrier who calls it for me at $1.75 a mile. Mm-hmm. And I have an asset in that, in that geo. And I cannot, and I have to get that driver home. Yeah. If I have to get that driver home, his daughter is graduating from high school. If I don't get him home, he's going to fuck. Sorry. I yeah. It's like, no, you can do that. We, we drop. Oh no, we swear on this Good. show all the time. Yeah. yeah. He's going to fucking quit. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to quit. Yeah. In that situation, you are robbing Peter to pay Paul. The enterprise level outcome, me, the owner of the business, yeah. I suffer. Right. The brokerage is fine. The trucking company suffers. So you have to build up to those enterprise level outcomes. Now, in general, Jay, I broadly agree with you that it should kind of like we should, we should, we should build the structure such that they are. The, the best offering wins. Right. So as a perfect example, like it, it, you know, it starts in the sales process and then the next part, kind of when you think about building this pyramid of customer experience or inverse pyramid, at the bottom of the inverse pyramid is tendering and routing decisions. Does it go to the brokerage? Does it go to the assets? Yeah. Right? But at the top of the pyramid is go to market. And the first thing that, you know, that, that gets go target customers, whatever. But the second thing you do is pricing. Most trucking companies lead with the asset price and they let the brokerage fill in the rest. Lead with the best price. Like you've got to lead with the best price. That's what improves the enterprise level outcomes. And if you can't be competitive enough as a trucking company, that's Amazon. That's why Amazon spun out AWS, right? They spun out AWS to market to make sure that it had market pressures on it so that it was a best-in-class solution. And if it wasn't, they need to either get it up to, to snuff or kill it. And the same is true here. If your assets are not competitive enough to be competitively priced or to offer additional services or whatever it might be on that lane, 
then you should move it non-asset. You should move those assets into a different part of your network and operate it non-asset until you can deal with your, you know, your, your cost structure, et cetera. Yeah. Cause Jay, I, you got to You got to so maximize I, the enterprise level outcomes. Go ahead. So I want to, I want to, so let's, let's keep going to this. Cause there's a couple things that, that occurred to me in that. So one, if, if you don't have that, so again, so you start the brokerage to satisfy the situation where the guy's going to quit because he can't get home for, for the graduation. But today as an organization with in the absence of that brokerage, that is still true. And so you still need to, you need to figure something out. So now you're starting the brokerage to satisfy yeah. that. But one of the problems I think that when you now, so that's like a, that's a good case. It's like the, the end result uh, will hopefully contemplate that type of outcome. The challenge I have with too much of that is you're building value for the org and not value for the customer. And one of the things that happens, I think, in a lot of these situations is the value becomes about inward-facing value. So make sure this thing works to support our business. And then once that works, we'll send it out to the market. And no one's listening. It's got to start value customer first and then come back in. So at the end of the day... If if the load needs to move, and this and this is a, like we're really hammering down this example, but it's like if that load needs to move, and I am, and I and I can create. What is the ultimate customer value creation that I'm going to do totally, here, 100%. regardless of what that driver has to has to do? Now, again, if those can both be satisfied in the same swing, guess what? You win. But yeah, to yeah. me, that feels like almost like um, like Nirvana to a degree, right? So I totally agree with you. There's like 55 things I want to say about this. Yeah. Number one, I'm oversimplifying the choice. Of of course. Yeah, of course. By the way, that's why technology needs to be a part of powering this. Mm -hmm. Like the reality is a human cannot manage all of that themselves. And that's why, again, when humans are making a lot of these decisions, they make bad ones. They make bad ones because they have perverse incentivization. You're right. There may be a scenario there may be scenarios where you just deadhead that driver home. And I'm not suggesting, by the way, I think you make up a good point. And one thing I want to make clear to everyone is that I'm not suggesting start the brokerage to solve that problem. Right, right. I'm saying once it's operating, you want to make the decisions based on sort of the enterprise level outcomes. And again, whether or not you can be competitive enough in that market, because there's another scenario where you deadhead the driver home because you can, because you actually, you make more money as an enterprise. But you're good. The, the, the thing you just said that's the most important thing that we have to hit on, and I was going to talk about it earlier and didn't, is this concept of selling us problems. Mm-hmm. We go to market in this industry selling us problems. Yeah. The biggest problem we have as an industry, and you didn't really cover this on my lead in or whatever, because I get, and I now realize hearing you read that, I should change my bio. I, no, started it's, it's, I, should, I, change, I should change my reading skills, but I appreciate I was, it. No, 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 no. But I don't talk about my, like, I live my career at Intersection of Transportation Technology. What does that mean? I was a freight broker for a long time. Right. Like, I've been in the industry for 15 years. I've started my career as a freight broker. I've started some businesses, including, like, legacy companies and tech companies. But, 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 so I'm an operator at heart. And the thing that I would always say is, like, you know, well, that's an us problem. Well, the mm-hmm. customers should care about blah, blah, blah. They should if they were us, but they're not, so they don't. These are us problems. If we're not solving customer problems, we are generating no value. We need to sell to the customer's problem. That's true. And and, and so the biggest problem that we have in this industry a lot of times is we look for other people to solve our problems. I'll give you a perfect example of this. I was on on the Freight Waves like a week or two ago. I don't remember when it was, a few weeks ago. 
And I got asked about this, like, you know, and 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 cargo theft and, and fraud is a big problem. It's been a problem for a long time. I have been defrauded myself. I have had loads stolen by carriers back when I was a freight broker, hundreds of thousands of dollars stolen. Like, that's a problem, right? And I, and and my background is as an attorney, so liability is something I care a lot about. Compliance is something I've always invested a lot in. Whatever. I got asked the question: Should the should the load boards be doing more to root out fraud? And I was like, should they? Like morally, sure, I guess. But at the same time, no. They're a business. They're offering a product for sale. They are under no imperative to do more. I think it's a bad thing that they're not doing more, but it's they have no imperative to do more. Buy a different service if you don't like the service that you're getting, mm-hmm. right? If I go to the grocery store and all of the fruit is rotten in the produce section, I don't go and say, you know, whatever grocery store, I'm not going <laughs> to try and blow up a grocery store spot here. Hey, grocery store A, you know, you need to like, I'm going to go to a different grocery store. And and the same is true. Well, load boards, there's only so many. Okay. Like there are uh, material problems with that, but stop looking for other people to solve our problems. And that's at the intersection of a lot of the stuff that you've brought up today, Jay, not just how we go to market, but also like the applications of technology. We're looking for someone else to solve our problem. When we don't do the foundational work, that's the biggest thing we see. When you don't do the foundational work, of understanding the use cases, of understanding the experience that you want for your customers, your drivers, or your third-party carriers, your employees, what those workflows are going to be like, what you need to accomplish. You are buying technology to just throw your hands up and say, technology will solve my problems, and it absolutely won't. If you don't invest in training, technology won't solve your problems. Like If you don't look to adjust your operating model from time to time to make the best use of what the tools can do for you if you're buying, even if you're building, by the way, like you are app technology won't, you're looking for someone else to solve your problem. So it starts with, it starts with, I agree with you on that go to market front, stop selling you problems to your customers. Like you need, you need to sell to your customers problems. And we don't do that enough. Yeah. We, we get, it's, I think it's, it's, challenging not to have it in you know it's it is sometimes a confliction of of agendas but really you know i've always been a big proponent of you know lead with value and yep. you know and, and success is the long tail of that right? right and it's really just you know anchor yourself in, in in that um i think just as we're as we're kind of coming near near time here i feel like man i feel like i could talk to you for a while and i'd like to you know just uh we should probably connect after this i got i got lots of things i'd like to talk to you about that i'm yeah man. lots of it's tricky. We're, we're having this conversation and I've, I've mentioned this to the audience before. It's that when you're, when you're in the middle of, of hosting a podcast and I, and I actually much prefer uh, being in your seat than, than the one I'm in right now. And if anybody listens, they'll know I'm probably a much better guest than I am a host. Um, it's, we all are. I yeah, had a podcast for a time and I felt like I was, a, I'm a much better guest than I was a host. It's, it's but I hard. Got good feedback. Like you are, your podcast is great. And I'm sure people have told you it's great. It just feels very different. Well, it's hard to, it's actually hard to really listen. In, in fact, what I, you know, what I mm-hmm. do is when these are done and they, and I can't wait for them to come out because I can't wait to hear all the things you've just said. So I'm listening to as best that I can, but I'm hearing these yeah. like nuggets. I'm like, oh man, I want to like talk about that. And I write something down and, and then it's like, but you're, yeah. and I'm just trying to organize time. And anyway, all this to be said, I, I would love to talk to you in, in, in multiple forms sure, and, buddy, and moving yeah. forward, man. Um, but I, you know, just maybe a quick, like, 
you know, we, we talked a lot about uh, some of the things that you're working on, but specifically, I think for Metaphora, um, I think a lot of people have seen the name. I, I know certainly I have. Um, I kind of know a little bit about your origin story even, um, but but more, I guess, just for the folks out there who, who are maybe looking for some support, what is the strike zone for you guys? What do you guys do, do really well? I know as a consultant yeah. agency, it's very easy to be like, you know, I know you wouldn't say this because you, you strike me as, as being pretty sort of intelligent around value prop, but I think people can generally think you know, consulting in of itself is a little opaque. So what is it? Yeah, what is, totally. what do you guys do from a strike zone? Like what is your, your sweet spot, your specialty? Yeah. So we're experts in technology and we know transportation and logistics, right? So we have some folks like me who are, who are from industry. We have some folks who are, um, you know, traditional technologists like product managers and engineers and folks like that. And we have consultants who come from, from big shops like Deloitte, KPMG, et cetera. What I what we do we only work in transportation, logistics, and supply chain. So we work with shippers, we work with transportation providers, and we work with you know technology companies that that also serve the space on initiatives like tech strategy, software development. We also do some strategy or management consulting, and I'll say more specifics about what those are in a second. But um, you know, but our but our real like 75, 80% of what we do is around technology. That's also where the demand is. So, you know, tech strategy is is it starts with as some of the stuff I've described. It starts with planning. It starts with understanding the business as it exists today, what the and setting up what the goals are for the business, so that you can really document and define what needs to change and what needs to stay the same. So, as an example, I gave before, you know, I've one of my one of my really good industry friends called me a couple of years ago. Big trucking company, they're publicly traded, multi billion dollar company. Hey, we want you to help us come in and pick a new TMS. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take your money and do that because I know what's going to happen. We know your business well enough. You're you shouldn't make a change because you're not going to invest in supporting that change. You don't have the resources assigned internally to do that. Everybody's underwater. So let's look at maximizing what you have today. And then and then and then execution would be, you know, going in and either making procurement decisions and like running a TMS selection for folks. We do that a lot. Technology selection, because it's more than just TMS. So, it, you know, we we look at the whole suite of software that you might want to buy or build. So we also help folks build software. And, and so that's kind of technology strategy and software development. Design what the application can look like if you're going to build something and then build it. Um, that can be full suite TMS. It can be smaller things like, you know, rating, driver management, um, uh, like load assignment, routing, things like that. Not so much routing, actually. We, we could. That's that's hard. Not so much route. That's hard. Blue Jay's got you know Blue yeah, yeah, Jay yeah. and those folks. You know, there's a bunch of routing software yeah. out there that can work. But a lot of times, we're big proponents of buy what, buy what's available, build what differentiates you. Right? Yeah. Um, and then and then um, you know the, our operational or, or strategy management consulting stuffs like we're working with a broker like I said we're working with a trucking company right now to build a brokerage. And so that's everything from like assessing your current business and benchmarking against your competitors. Hey, what are you doing today? How do your competitors do things? How are you performing against how you should be performing? You know, hey, are you overstaffed in um is your is process actually your problem and not technology what have you? Um again and then in implementation. So like, you know, designing the jobs and the operating model um, what the roles and responsibilities should be, what the processes are, training people on those things. Um, 
and uh, and then and then standing that up and doing change management. So that's a lot of what we do. The and and um, there's some other ancillary things we do, like we have a training and learning and development platform and stuff like that that's focused on transportation logistics. But that's the core of what we do. And for those looking to find you, where's the best way to find to find Ryan uh, Indoor Metaphora? Yeah, best I, LinkedIn is is always the best way to reach me. So I'm Ryan. I think I'm Ryan B. Schreiber on LinkedIn. The B stands for better. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really, but uh, I'm Ryan. Ryan, find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can find Metaphor on LinkedIn or at metaphora.net. Uh, spelled with an F M E T A F O R A. Um, you know, reach out to me. Reach out to any of my team members through any of those things. Uh, and that's that's usually the best way to find us. It's also the best way to kind of get other content that we're putting out that touches on any of the topics that we talked about today around technology and buy bill decisions and 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 operationalizing technology in your business. Okay, man, that's this has been uh, great, high energy, uh, and and really nice. I think dialogue there. So, man, looking forward to continuing yeah, this. Nice getting to know you a little bit better. And um, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, you'll be you'll be hearing from me shortly. Um, but thanks for thanks for being here today and spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jay. Appreciate okay. it, buddy. All right, Good we'll check. talk. See you soon. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you very much. Bye for now.